Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome to The Daily Break. I'm Andrew Tallman. Here's what's happening today at Newsweek. I have good news for you if you buy gasoline, but it's limited good news for some people. Still, for anybody who lives in Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Virginia, Maryland, Ohio, or North Carolina, a gas station in your area is giving everybody a hefty discount on gas through July 4th. That's right, Sheets, S-H-E-E-T-Z, if you're not familiar with them, said that it's going to lower its unleaded 88 gas to $3.99 a gallon through July 4th and the E85 gas to $3.49 a gallon just to alleviate some of the pain at the pump during the heavy driving weekend. That's going to represent somewhere on the order of 90 cents a gallon cheaper than you could otherwise get it. As for the rest of us, or for people in those areas after July 4th, gas continues to remain high. Yes, it's dipped just a little bit in the last couple of weeks, but nothing substantial. Patrick DeHaan of Gas Buddy says volatility in the markets remains high, and, and I hate to be the bearer of this news, he says there could still be a super spike in gas prices later this summer if we happen to have a hurricane in the Gulf. You know, the kind that would threaten the refineries and the platforms. As far as political solutions, there's not a lot on the horizon. President Biden, of course, has offered an 18 cent a gallon cut in the gas tax for three months that nobody else seems to think is a good idea, especially since that would cost about $10 billion to the U.S. for road repairs, bridges and that kind of thing. And Democratic representatives Lauren Underwood, Mike Thompson and John Larson are offering a gas stimulus check that would give anybody $100 a month until the end of 22, as long as gas is more than $4 a gallon in their state. It's the kind of thing that sounds like maybe a nice idea if you receive it, but the last time I checked, if you raise demand in a market by subsidizing a commodity, what does that do to prices? Also, what if gas prices decline between now and then and the normal price is $3.98, let's say, or $3.80? What kind of pressure do you think would be on gas stations in those areas to artificially bump it up over four just to get people the stimulus check? So maybe we come back again with another idea. And now from the, wow, I never thought about it that way file. I'm going to give you a list of names, and I want you to see if you can pick out the theme or the common trait amongst all of them. Leonardo da Vinci, Albert Einstein, Pablo Picasso, Stephen Hawking, Richard Branson, Steve Jobs, George Washington, Walt Disney, John Lennon, Abraham Lincoln, and John F. Kennedy. Do you have a guess? Now, if you said historically famous, true, but irrelevant. If you said high achievers, true, but irrelevant. If you said they all had dyslexia, ding, 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 you're a winner. And you might either be or have a family member who's dyslexic because that's the kind of list you memorize if that's your situation. Why? Because it tends to break the paradigm of thinking that people with dyslexia are operating at a disadvantage. You say, it's a learning disability. How can it not be a disadvantage? Oh, but wait, I'll explain. Findings published in the journal Frontiers in Psychology have indicated that maybe the whole way we tend to think about dyslexia is misguided. First of all, understand that about 20% of the population, one in five people have the condition. Now, that could mean that we have a really widely distributed, successful, in other words, from a genetic perspective, adaptation that nevertheless is harming the 20% of the people who have it. That's one possibility. 
Not so likely, but it's one possibility. The other possibility is that this adaptation, dyslexia, is a benefit, or at least it's a benefit for some to have it, and that's why it's so prevalent compared to traditional learning, let's say. So here's the theory. There are two different kinds of cognition or genius, if you want to think of it that way. One is called exploitation. That is the ability to use existing things in a more effective or productive way. The other is exploration, which involves experimentation, discovery, and innovation. In other words, discovering new things, which then can be exploited for maximum benefit. Exploitative-oriented thinkers tend to be conserving, and generally they're risk-averse. On the other hand, explorers tend to be more risk-embracing. Some people might think of them as wasteful or disruptive or messy. But as you're starting to get a sense, it's really good to have both in an overall social sense because you need the people who are generating, creating, cutting-edge kind of stuff, and then you need the other people who are taking those things and then using them to their greatest potential. And the theory goes something like this. Dyslexic people are not so much defined by their inability to process words properly. They more have a certain kind of mindset which orients them towards things like the arts and engineering and entrepreneurship and exploration that are extremely useful for society, which would be why that long list of people had that mindset or that cognitive style. And then, of course, we know we have loads of people who are, let's say, good at reading or are naturally geared towards the non-dyslexic cognitive style. And if you want to call them managers or orderly or executives, well, sure, they do that stuff really well. What's the problem? Well, if we really need both, and especially if we need them both in order to really solve big challenges that we might be facing, like, say, climate change or, you know, global pandemics, then the bias of thinking that the dyslexic cognitive style or the explorer-oriented style is a problem is going to fail to cultivate the talents and skills that those people bring to the table culturally. I mean, think about it. When I tell you that George Washington and Steve Jobs had dyslexia, what you think is... Wow. And in spite of that, they had this great success when what we should be thinking, according to this research is no, they had great success because they had dyslexia. And if only we had an educational setup that managed to cultivate those people's skills more effectively, we'd stop squandering what they have, trying to turn them into what they never should have been in the first place and will instead gain and they will benefit from bringing out in them the genius that they might have to offer that would otherwise be stifled. And if you followed everything I was saying so far, and if this is all correct, think about one of the basic institutional problems we have right now, which is that the entire educational system is geared around the definition of dyslexia as a flaw because it's built and perpetuated by people who are really good at classroom-oriented skills like, for example, reading and writing. So because we've put the exploitative mindset in charge of designing the system, they've defined exploitative mindset as itself a virtue, and they're trying to stamp out, eradicate, or maybe help turn explorers into exploiters. And of course, this is human nature, right? Everybody wants to define goodness as whatever they are themselves very good at. It might be misguided, but it's very, very common. And people who don't learn that way or might be fidgety or might be geared towards disruption or exploration, they're viewed as troublesome, right? These are the kind of kids who don't love to sit still and pay attention and do your work and keep your head down and sit in an orderly row. So they don't just get defined as being bad at what school wants them to be good at. They actually get defined as being contrary or hostile to good order and civilization. Are you beginning to see the problem here? So does that mean that you don't try to work on dyslexic people and fix, so to speak, the things that they're not able to do? I mean, probably not. You still help them if you can. 
but maybe help looks a little bit different because instead of trying to turn them into something else, we try to make them what they were supposed to be in the first place. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. And finally, a widely shared photo on social media might be evidence that the Russian military isn't doing nearly as well as Vladimir Putin would like his people to believe. The photo, in case you haven't seen it, was most widely shared by U.S. Representative Adam Kinzinger, and it shows what can only be described as a, well, let's say rotund Russian general. You remember in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory when Violet Beauregard, you know, the annoying, highly competitive gum chewer, ignores the warnings and takes a stick of the gum that's supposed to be a three-course meal, and they don't quite have the ending figured out, and she blows up into the size of a giant blueberry? Yeah, he looks like that. In camouflage fatigues and without the blue face. And according to intelligence analysts, this appears to be 67-year-old General Pavel, who is a retired Russian general that was living in the suburbs of Moscow and has been ordered by Putin back into active service to lead Russian special forces operating in Ukraine because Russia's military has been so heavily depleted of its leadership through death or injury that they're basically back to scraping the bottom of the barrel any way they can. As a senior intelligence analyst told the Daily Star, Putin is now scraping the barrel. He's now dragging generals out of retirement, and one of those is General Pavel. Now, of course, to what degree all of this is accurate, including the analysis that this is sort of the beginning of the end of leadership for the Russian military under Vladimir Putin, well, that remains to be seen. But don't let a good cautionary note about the fact interfere with Reddit and the meme makers, because they have been enjoying this a lot. That's it for the Daily Break. Be sure to head over to Newsweek.com for these stories and more, including our growing podcast lineup. And consider subscribing to our digital and print editions of Newsweek if you haven't already. While you're here, hit the five-star review. I appreciate it. I'm Andrew Tallman. Thanks for listening to the Daily Break, brought to you by Newsweek. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.